Hello once again, everyone, and welcome to the 28th episode of the Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, we're your host. I'm Travis, way out here in Virginia. That's Alex, way out there in sunny Albuquerque. How are things going over there, Alex? I uh, I always have to give the feed the feed update, and this time you were in there. I scrolled through. There was some SNES drunk. You're back. Yeah, but it's sports game stuff, so not really. Because <laughs> a lot of people don't care about sports games, but I don't care. Yeah, it's a uh, overpowered video game athletes, 16-bit edition part two, featuring such luminaries as uh, Air All Night in David Robinson's Supreme Court. The guy cannot miss. You you can shoot threes all day with that guy. He won't miss. And his you name have... is Air All Night. Yes, and it feels he... like he'd be shooting air balls all night. That seems misleading. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, as long as you're right up next to the three-point line, you you can't miss with that guy. I had uh, a very nice 69 points at the half <laughs> that is with nice. that guy. Yeah, and huh. uh, yeah, and there's there's other stuff too. Of course, there's Bo Jackson this time in a college football game. There there's all sorts of uh, other stuff that nobody listening cares about because it's sports stuff. Ah, oh, come on. We we did a whole sports podcast one time. People are into it. They'll Got suffer it. through it. Yeah, they nearly canceled us. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, coming up tomorrow, tomorrow being Thursday, we're recording this on a Wednesday, it will be an N64 game, F-Zero-X. Ooh. And I really enjoyed that one because of the track randomizer. And that one is very, very cool. It makes it like F-Zero meets like Excitebike almost because remember Excitebike, you can like build mm-hmm. your own track basically. And F-Zero-X isn't quite like that, but it's got the same kind of spirit, I guess, which is... yeah really awesome um also i was always impressed with that game because for for an n64 game where you're racing it feels pretty fast yeah it's the only 60 frames per second n64 game right yeah i mean it looks fast and i can feel the speed of my vehicle it also doesn't have that ridiculous gray fog as much as other n64 games Mm -hmm. as they do a nice job with that too it's just a really well-made game and uh i think it's just as you know it's still worth playing today just as much as the original and as much as gx is for gamecube so i thought that was interesting it's like hey it's an n64 game i actually like (laughs) nice speaking of sports games uh at least yours is about things that are like crazy like these athletes will break your system but i just did bowling games on the nes and uh and that's two of them right well you know, there are two in my video, but it turns out first comment I got this morning was, uh, hey, you didn't do Dynamite Bowl on the Famicom. And I was like, ah, I'm going to get canceled, aren't I? <laughs> it's a, it. The executives are going to come in. They're going to pull the plug. Um, you can't be. But no, it's fair. I, I mean, is that game any good, though, this this Famicom I game? I mean, is it worth talking about? I, I literally don't know. I thought I had the thing. The thing was, it was kind of my fault because I, I named the video bowling games on the famicom and nes because i thought i i wasn't going to just do one on championship bowling nah but i was like hey perfect bowling is kind of interesting it's got a futuristic feel it's kind of it's got weird parts to it it's like i'll lump those both together and say hey bowling games on the famicom and the nes Mm. so i kind of made it seem like these are the ones yeah dynamite bowls out here hanging out huge contingent of dynamite bowl fans are now upset so now (laughs) what am i gonna do what am i gonna do so i've apologized profusely i took the podium earlier this morning had my family around and we'll get through it press conference you got uh, chuck todd asking you questions (laughs) grilling it yeah yeah he's relentless yeah it's uh are you allowed to say what you've got coming up next yeah why not 
I don't know. Maybe. I do put them on Patreon. I will say, though, October, my favorite time of year. I always do. Um, normally, I randomize everything, but for October, I specifically go for the games that got a little bit of spook to them. I like I like them to be a little spooky. Maybe maybe based on a licensed scary movie. Uh, maybe a couple like that, you know. So those are the ones that uh, I get real excited to make. Unfortunately, the ones I did last year didn't get a whole lot of attention. But I just love those those types of games and and just that theme. I love '80s horror, '80s schlocky horror, all those tropes. And put it in a video game, it's it's all the better. So that's what I got coming up. Is a lot of games like that. Is it Beetlejuice? Do you have Beetlejuice coming up? No, I don't have. Oh, uh, okay. I don't have that's, Beetlejuice. That's, that, that's good because that game is uh it's not good. But uh, no, yeah. I know. I no, know. That, yeah. that that that's sound. That's good then because yeah, I, I have a I have a that's a sore spot for me that game. So that's good to hear. No, no Beetlejuice on the way. No so, Beetlejuice on the way this year. Maybe next year. Maybe now next I do year. know. I I have the uh, the privilege of having met the world record speedrunner. Speaking of speedruns, you you'll want to stick around after Alex and I get out of the way, but. I, I do know the world record uh, holder for that game. Uh, his name is Chris, base guy, 654. He competed in the NES, the big NES 20 there last week mm. or a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big, big Beetlejuice runner. So I know, I know the, the, the top brass for that game, buddy. Well, well, tragically, Beetlejuice was somehow not part of the NES 20. Yeah. Uh, a huge oversight, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah. Maybe they'll fix that believe. next year. I hope so. They really need to. So we got some uh, emails here. First, we've got another one from Jono, and he All says right. it's another one from Jono. I should say, "Hey, drunk friends, really enjoyed the newest episode with Brian and Jim. Even if listening to people talk about beers at seven a.m. when I need to make breakfast for my kids was some sort of cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, I am Australian, but seven a.m. is probably a tad early to crack one open. Nah, nah. maybe." Anyway, just wanted to ask you guys about what your form, what your most formative gaming experiences are. And he says that he has two, and they both involve his dad. The first one was the first time I remember him actually playing a game with me, which was WCW versus NWO World Tour on the N64. And the second memory he has, he says, was a year ago when he came to visit, and we sat out in my garage playing combat on the Atari 2600, oh. which he soundly flogged me <laughs> at, which is very cool. Both great times and good memories. Well, that's about it. Have a great weekend, Jono. Yeah, that's right. really cool. Like, your dad comes out, and you, <laughs> first thing you want to do, yeah, let's play some combat on Atari 2600. <laughs> that's great. I love it. What are yours? Yeah, I like that his dad just beat his ass at that game though. That makes me happy. I like it. I like when you know some dads just have that Atari power, man. They just know how to do it. But uh, you know, I don't know about formative gaming experiences, but he did remind me of playing games with my dad. And I think formatively, maybe coming downstairs on a Saturday morning to play the Nintendo. And my dad, my parents were a little older when they had me. They were in their forties, so we're talking. These are. These are folks born in the 40s playing a Nintendo in the 80s. So, I mean, it's it's a generational weirdness in a, in a weird way. And I remember coming downstairs excited to play my Nintendo on a number of occasions and having to get my mom to kick my dad off of it because he wouldn't stop playing Dr. Mario. And that's still, I mean, I still thought it was cool because I liked that my dad and I played the same thing. But at some point I was like, but Dan, I want to play something. <laughs> and uh, he was just killing, you know, level 19, just, just nice. putting the pills in the bottle. Yeah, he was really good at it. He was good at Mario. I think with the first the first week we owned a Nintendo, he he actually beat it, and I didn't beat it for years wow. after that. So he was a fun one to watch, and, and definitely 
Um, you know, it wasn't like a contentious thing. I didn't have to arm wrestle my dad for the Nintendo, but it was always cool that he was interested in that, given that his peers were not into anything like that at all. Just it made my dad cool to me. So made gaming huh. cool too. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Um, wow. So your dad actually beat Mario World or Mario World uh, for the first Mario within the first week. Yeah, it was so insane. Is he going to work and play in this or something? Or, or I what? don't know. One thing I do remember him doing um, was he found on his own. There's no internet. This is this is 89, 90. He found the uh, the way that you could like jump on Mario on a certain stair and get like continue jumping and get all the one ups. Yeah, he just figured that out one day. He was like, "Yeah, I knew like if you hit him, you get the points." But I, if, I could, if I could just trap him on a step, I could I could get a whole bunch of uh, he would call them men. I get a whole bunch of men, and then he <laughs> he just did that, and then I would have to get him to do it for me to give me a chance of making it through the game. I'd be like, "All right, Dad, I'm here. Will you get me all the one ups so I can see the end?" So yeah, we he would help me cheat. He nice. was my dealer. <laughs> I, one of these days, somebody needs to make a uh, documentary or at least like a YouTube video about uh, all the different ways people describe extra lives <laughs> and free guys and man yeah. and all that stuff. Because it's, it's different everywhere you go. I love it. It it's, sure is. Yeah. It's funny as hell. And for my formative stuff, uh, it's stuff I've talked about before, really. it's uh, I remember... Um, watching my older sister play adventure for atari 2600 and it freaked me out that the dragon could follow you between screens at like oh. all the way through until you freaking kill it with the arrow thing um that really blew my mind and it really scared me uh <laughs> i was a very easily scared kid and then there's of course you know when we got the super nintendo and uh you know i'm playing mario world in my own house for the first uh, just blew my i couldn't believe it and you know all that sort of stuff and then i another one i don't think i've mentioned is is watching my brother and his friend play secret of mana for the first time and just the music and like the colors in that game were so like bright and vivid and just different than any other snes game at that time so i those are what stand out to me um and i still feel personally attacked when somebody goes after secret of mana even if it is justified because um, <laughs> yeah. that game has plenty of flaws, but uh, yeah, I, I really have fond memories of that game. Cool. Yeah, I like it too, actually. Uh, okay, our next uh, email is from uh, Fran BurgerChamp. He says, hey guys, it's BurgerChamp. On your respective systems, NES and SNES, what licensed game that you've played has the biggest gap in quality between the game and its source material and which ones evoke the spirit of the source material more closely, or most closely? Well, I know which one has the biggest gap between uh, just a single aspect of the game and the source material, and that's, of course, going to be Waterworld and oh. the soundtrack versus yeah. Waterworld the movie. The game is not good, but um, as far as uh, evoke the spirit of the source material more closely, uh, or most closely, I guess... Uh, I always think of the Batman games. Batman Returns is pretty good. Um, I thought uh, Adventures of Batman and Robin on Super Nintendo did a really, really, really nice job uh, capturing that art style of the animated series. Even though it's not really based on the animated series, it still uh, evokes that spirit, I guess. Batman Returns, at least, um, has shots of the movie. It does a nice job following the movie. I don't know if that's important to anybody, but it does do a good job of, of following the movie, at least. Nice. Yeah, I was actually going to uh, to say Batman for 
uh, for the NES for a game that captures the source material pretty closely. It, it tries to follow the movie a little bit, and it's actually a pretty good game. It's called Batman the Video Game, but it's based on Batman the Movie, so it's kind of confusing, but I like that one a lot. Um, as for the biggest gap in quality, you, you could maybe argue Conan. That's not... That's bad. That's a bad NES game. Um, yeah. Rambo. Rambo, yeah. It's it's at least a decent game. It's not mm. that... I mean, I say decent. Like, it's not great, but it it makes Conan look... I mean, Yeah, ugh. Conan's freaking broken, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's yeah, basically it's not great. just a, a broken game. I would also argue Back to the Future has a pretty big gap between what's what what's going on in the movie and what's going on in that game. Yeah, it's not a, nothing of what I've never actually played that game. I only know it from the angry video game video, and <laughs> it's just it's so rant. Like what? What's the scene where he's like dodging clocks or something oh, like yeah. that? It's like come on, you can't come up with something better than that. It's ridiculous. I think you have more material to deal with to work with for this subject than I do. That's for dang sure. Because I'm trying to think like action movies. I personally, I think for biggest gap, I think Last Action Hero is up there, but that's only because mm. I love that movie. And that game is, it's just a beat em up and it's boring and it's not well made. And yeah, it's just I know kinda... one you like is True Lies though, right? That's a big one. That's yeah, one True Lies is excellent. Yeah, True yeah. Lies is a great movie and it's a really good game. It's It might be my pick for the second best licensed game on the super nintendo after turtles in time of course but right on yeah right on all right coming up next is our guest summoning salt yeah that's right we're me and trav are like the opening band that everyone wants to see get off stage like we're opening for iron maiden and the entire crowd is booing us it's like maiden we want to see maiden we're summoning salt <laughs> oh let's give them their maiden now, I would describe what Summoning Salt does on YouTube as ESPN 30 for 30s, but on speedrunning, and his channel has blown up over the last little while at over 800,000 subscribers, so stick around after this cooler break. All right, Summoning Salt, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It was kind of short notice, but we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm glad I saw that that Twitter message or whatever it was. It was kind of a, a fluke that I ended up seeing it, but yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I want to give a shout out to uh, user Based Paperclip, which is an interesting name in and of itself, for shooting that shot for us because you're definitely a guest that's been on our list for some time, so we're... We're happy that all worked out. Yeah, well, cool. Glad to be here. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Before, you know, just in case there's some folks out there that aren't really familiar with you or your channel, how would you describe Summoning Salt? Well, I, my channel is kind of this weird niche in the corner of YouTube that nobody would think to look for unless they heard about it from someone else. But what I do is I make videos that talk about the world record history of different video games. Um, people do these things called speed runs that you might have heard of before. It's the act of completing a video game as fast as you humanly can. And um, the fastest person, you know, has the world record. And I'm kind of tracking in a video how that record has gotten lower over a number of years and what strategies were used and who did it and kind of talking about the whole story behind it. So when it comes to these videos that you're making, there, I mean, I just... Today alone, I watched like the Contra one, the Ninja Gaiden one, which I'd seen before. 
and uh, the Mike Tyson's punch out one. Um, and they're all like close to an hour long. Uh, I think the, the question mm-hmm. most people would like to know is just like how much work goes into these videos because you're just watching tons of footage, not just world record runs either. I mean, you're digging into forums from like the early 2000s. Um, do you do you yeah. do all this work on your own or or how, how does uh, how does it work from an editing and a creation standpoint? Yeah, so typically you're seeing about uh, like two two to three months between upload mm-hmm. times. Um, I'll wait like you know two or three months to upload the video, and you know it's not like I take a month and a half off and then I work on it for two weeks and then upload it. I'm I'm working pretty much that whole time on the video, and I do it alone. I don't really have anyone else help me. Well, I shouldn't say I do it alone because I contact people in the community for every single video that I make, and they help me out with research and. Usually they're, you know, really happy to help because they, they want to see the video made on, on their game because they, you know, they're just interested to see how it's going to turn out and everything. But, um, you know, I don't have any other video editors. I don't have anyone out there doing research for me. I, I do it all myself. No intern? Wow. Um, <laughs> nope, nothing. It's just me. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought about it, though. I've thought about just, like, hiring someone to do the dirty work that I don't want to do, like, putting together, it's you a know, the little details. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it. There, there's days when it's, like, the most fun thing ever, like, when I'm able to get really creative and edit, just kind of explore what I want to do. But then there's days where it's, like, okay, now I need to record the section of the video where I explain what spread rhythm is in Contra <laughs> and figure out how I explain this. It's like, ah, dude, okay. I have to sit through a tutorial for a couple hours and understand how everything in the game works. And it's rewarding, but it, it, it's not always the most exciting and, you know, motivating thing. You got to so. tap into your technical writing skills there where you have to kind of yes. be a little, you, you can't be too dry but I think you do a good job of that, though, where you're able to phrase things in a very efficient way that helps get across the point of what something like uh, what you mentioned in, in Contra is. Um, what what's and then in addition to that, you've got like yeah, he's 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 uh, hitting the button 16 times per second. I think it was DK. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah DK 28. It's, it's like crazy. my god, man, we're getting some serious detail here. It's freaking great. Yeah, there, there's like little skills that that I've kind of picked up on when when making these videos over the years. And it's it's an odd combination because it's like I need to, you know, I don't think I'm a great writer, but I, I've gotten good enough at the type of writing that I need to do where I'm at least proficient at it. So I need a very specific subset of writing skills, and I need to know how to video edit. And I need to know how to understand technical aspects of games. And I need to understand how to mix music with lining it up with video and making it sound good. So it's a weird subset of skills that I've kind of needed to develop. But, you know, over the years, I've kind of gotten to where I'm comfortable with it. So, yeah, you do. You do a great job. And you've touched on a bunch of things here that I want to ask you about. It kind of opened up my my segue radar uh, almost just tapped out because I was like, yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. But I'll stop at one thing. Alex mentioned the presses per second and in stuff like that, because there's a lot of that stuff in your videos where it seems to me that you're the one that's doing the research and saying, "Okay, well, this is why this guy lost a few seconds and this guy was able to surpass him. Uh, guy or gal, whatever. And 
is that something that's already kind of known in the community or is that the stuff that you're you're watching videos and you're saying oh okay well there, there's where you lost time and you're sort of the source of that information at that point well it depends on it depends it, it changes from game to game and it also changes from trick to trick in the individual games um there, there's a lot of it especially nowadays where i'm having to watch almost every single world record run and just compare them and take notes on where they save time where they lost time what the new strategies were um i could show you guys after the podcast i have this document that i used for contra for making the video and it's I don't remember how many pages long it is. It's probably 15 or 20 pages in the Google document. It's just listing differences between each of the 30-something Contra records. That's insane. And, you know, some of that stuff I kind of got a head start on because I I talked with the record holder, Angry Links, and he was able to kind of guide me through the first couple runs and be like, okay, here's the type of stuff I'm looking for. Um, this is where he saved time here. This is where he lost time here. You should look to, you know, look at his spread rhythm, check out how the, the flame patterns are in energy zone, things like that. So, but yeah, once I get going into the video, I just need to get good at looking for where they gain time and lost time and comparing it. And it's, it's a big grind. It's tough, but like I said, there's some days that I really like doing it. And there's some days where it's like, okay, I'm watching the 14th record in Contra <laughs> comparing it to the 13th. And it's a 15th of a second faster. There's really not that much that I need to look for here, but I should probably check anyway. So it's, it's tough. right. Well, speaking of, uh, pages of documents, are you scripting your, your voiceover or are, do you just have bullet points or are you writing out everything and reading it? Yeah, so I, I have that like 15 or 20 page document with research and then I have to turn all of that research into probably about a 10 to 15 page script. Wow. And so Jeez. everything I say I have written out ahead of time. Uh, the way I usually do it is I'll get all of the research done ahead of time. I'll get that whole document done and then I'll write maybe a page or so of the script and then I'll record my voice for it and edit it. And then I'll move on to the next page, write that out, edit it, and I'll keep going until I'm all the way through the whole script and done with the video. Jeez. And it seems to me like, it, you know, your videos are getting better and better. You know, they've always been great. And to the to an extent, they're growing in length as well. So it seems like there's sort of this uh, progression. They're, you know, maybe someone will do a summoning yeah. salt progression where they'll just look at your videos. But um, <laughs> they keep, <laughs> they get a little longer, they get, a, you know, a little more detailed, but it always remains interesting and I'm curious, looking back, are there any particular videos that you've made that stick out as being the hardest put together for whatever reason? Well, well, what you mentioned about my videos growing in length, uh, my early ones versus my newest ones, my early videos, like I'm probably kind of biased, but my, my early videos kind of suck. Like if I'm being honest, like the level of research that I did for like Mario 64 120 star, which was my, my third video. I mean, I got so much stuff wrong in that video, and the whole thing is like 20 minutes long when it probably should have been more like two hours long. <laughs> um, so, you know, the level of research that I did for back then, even though there were tough topics that I didn't know much about, it was it was really lacking. But so you're asking about like which one's the hardest to research? It, you know, if I had done the proper research that I should have done back in like 2017 one of those videos probably would have been the hardest just because I, I there's a lot of these a lot of games i used to do back then i don't know much about the history mm. 
like like Mario 64 120 star. I would if I was to do that again today, I would need to research it extensively and learn so much about how the game works and everything. So nowadays I'm I'm typically staying more toward area that I'm more familiar with, like Punch Out, Contra, and Ninja Gaiden. So it's kind of a hard question to answer, which was the hardest to research. Um you know, the stuff like like Pokemon. I've never I've never even played Pokemon. I know it's a popular speedrun, I know everyone loves it, but sad confession, I've never actually played it. So doing research for a game like that, you know, even though back when I made it I wasn't necessarily going as in-depth as I should have, it, it was still a pretty massive undertaking for the time just because of my extreme lack of knowledge. Gotcha. Dude, you're not alone. I've barely spent any time with Pokemon. I don't it seems like just a regular old, you know, turn-based RPG to me with, you know, collecting stuff. Have you played Zelda? Any of the Zelda games? <laughs> yeah, plenty. You, I have you not. Have not. So, okay, wow. That's another one. <laughs> and if you notice, I've made like 10 or 15 Super Mario videos, yeah. but I've made exactly one Zelda video. So that's that's kind of a sign that I haven't played it very much. <laughs> well, I, that brings me to, you know, you mentioned the, the games that you're comfortable with are all NES games, it sounds like. Um, do you plan on sticking with NES stuff uh, for the future? Any Super Nintendo by any chance? Any Sega Genesis? Anything along those lines? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to exclusively do NES games, and you know, I haven't. Like my own, my my second most recent video was about Wii Golf. Wii <laughs> oh, that's right, Golf, yeah, yeah, which, which I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah. So you know, I'm not, I'm a little more inclined to do retro NES type of stuff, just because that's what I'm. Not necessarily my background, partially my background, but also partially just like. It's what I've speed. It's this stuff I've speed ran has been mainly classic Nintendo games, so my my general level of knowledge is fairly high compared to other stuff. But I'm not going to roll out doing Super Nintendo N64, even more modern than that, like GameCube, Wii, anything nice. like that. I'm I'm not ruling anything out. It does seem like that. Um... NES just for whatever reason it's almost like a happy accident as Bob Ross would say that those games so many of those games ended up lending themselves so well to speedruns that can be split up into tenths of a second um I'm yeah. not sure the developers of the game had that in mind when making it but for whatever reason they've all so many of them have lend a, the gameplay and the structure lends itself so well to speed running um and that's something i picked up on from through watching your videos too so i wouldn't blame you if you just stuck with you know <laughs> if you just stuck with that yes because it's 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 fascinating to watch there's a lot of stories to tell um nes obviously there's 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 so many topics i haven't even covered on the system yet there's 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 a lot more i can get into but uh, some of the more popular runs have been even past the uh, the NES, like Super Metroid, especially years ago. I mean, the competition in Super Metroid for speedrunning, that was probably one of the top three games at one point. Uh, Mario 64 has always been pretty high up there, Ocarina of Time. So, it, you know, in general, simplistic games tend to lend themselves well to speedrunning just because you can really try to hone in and master the the simple little mechanics that you have rather than you know, having to master everything in a Call of Duty game or something like that. Although there are Call of Duty speedruns, so it's not like that's, you know, exclusive to NES games. But yeah, it they, it's really, really good for speedrunning, no doubt. Yeah, and it seems to me like, you know, for your own sanity, uh, some games that with some shorter speedruns seem like something you'd want to gravitate to. 
in terms of just doing the research. So it makes sense that, you know, a lot of these shorter NES style games end up in, in a, a speedrunner you might be aware of. We interviewed here on the show a few weeks back, White Hat 94, and he has tons of, of speedrun acumen in the NES stuff. But to get away from that for a second, I wanted to to kind of point out that you know you're 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 will you're really well researched. That's hard to say. You're really you're really well researched, and it seems like from a casual perspective that you just have your finger on the pulse of speedrun progressions. Like you just know all of these things. Um, like you have you know the single stage from the original Mario all the way to you know what you said Wii Sports Resort Golf. Do people recommend these interesting narratives to you, or are these things that you're just generally aware of uh, having your finger on the pulse of of speedruns? Well, I would say in general, I'm probably a little more uh, knowledgeable on speedrunning events and new records than like the average speedrunner, but there's definitely more people that know a lot more than me. And, you know, I, I cover a pretty wide variety of topics in my videos, but the stuff that I don't cover, like I've never done a Celeste video. I've never done, you know, other popular modern games like Mario Odyssey or any Zelda game. There's a lot of stuff I don't cover because I simply do not know anything about it. So like Wii Sports Resort Golf, the only reason I really even considered that was because I'm a pretty big Darbian fan. He's like the former Super Mario Bros. record holder and he streams on Twitch pretty often. And he did Wii Golf runs, I guess it was about two or three years ago now on his on his channel and it, it got really popular and I, I I remember watching him do it for a few weeks and it it just kind of stuck in the back of my mind for the next couple years until a long time later I thought you know I think the history of that game kept going after Derby and maybe that could be a good video so you know I'd say I, I'm relatively up to date on new developments and speedrunning but it's it's not like it's not like I'm like, okay, I know this game had a record two months ago. I mean, I got to make sure I cover that. And then that game had a record a month ago. You got to do that next. It's, I kind of, it's, it's just the stuff that I happen to know and follow pretty well. So you say that, uh, Darbian is one of your favorite speedrunners. Um, that brings me to, um, a question that I think a lot of people have is that one nice thing about your channel is that you kind of stay out of the way. Um, and it's all about the game. It's all about the speedrunner. And it's all about content. I don't think too many people know about you um, and what some of your favorite games are and what some, who some of your favorite people to watch are. Um, if you had to pick a few people and pick a few games, what would those be? Well, um, in terms of people to watch, I will say that when I first got into speedrunning, there was kind of a trifecta of these three runners that I can really credit for getting me interested in it because um, I used to watch, I, this was probably like 2014, 20, late 2013. I'd watch them stream on Twitch whenever they came on and it was uh, Andrew G, Super Mario Bros. speedrunner, Sinister One, he's a Mike Tyson's Punch-Out speedrunner, and Mitch Flower Power, who, he's a Mario 3 runner, but he also does like Mario Maker, he kind of does Mega Man games every now and then. So those three runners, I probably credit for getting me into this more than anyone else. But, you know, in terms of people I watch now, um, I'm a Mike Tyson's Punch-Out speedrunner. So anyone running that game, I will watch. Um, there's a bunch of Mario runners that I watch. Uh, Metroid, Castlevania, Ninja Gaiden. It's, you know, I don't want to name too many people in particular just because I could go on for like dozens and dozens of different people. But <laughs> typically it's, you know, classic games 
Mario Kart games, stuff like that. Gotcha. One name that has popped up, though, speaking of names, and he's popped up in a couple of your recent videos and maybe in some some of the earlier ones that I didn't catch, but I've kind of caught on to it lately, and that's Matt Turk, a guy who seemed to be mm -hmm. speedrunning before a lot of others, and, and SNES Drunk and I was, were talking about this before we started recording, and he, we were like, he's like the Babe Ruth of speedrunning. Like, he just, he existed and set a bunch of records before the competition really drove optimization, which is kind of impressive. But in your eyes, how impressive is someone like Matt Turk, and what does he sort of mean to, to speedrunning? <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of Matt Turk stories to tell because he's he he's really an enigma i mean we <laughs> we know a bit about him but he so so he was speed running like in the early 2000s so punch out speedrunner contra speedrunner and super mario bros those were his three kind of main games that he held records in you know i i'm a punch out runner i have been ever since i really got into speed running and in our community he was just always this legend because he was done speed running pretty much by 2010 and speedrunning 10 years ago, back in 2010, was just a fraction of what the size it is now, like maybe a 20th of the size. And so right when speedrunning kind of started to get mainstream, he, he ducked out and, you know, he hasn't really done any running in nine or 10 years at least. So he was just always this legend in our community that not that many people knew about because he was so long ago. He didn't, he didn't provide that many videos, but but we, we knew that his skill was just ridiculous. And... You know, finally, I was making these videos starting in 2017, and I decided, okay, so I'm a punch-out runner. We know how awesome this guy was. I should probably make sure more people know about him. So I decided to make the quest to beat Matt Turk, <laughs> talked about everything there. Everyone now knows what he did. And what's funny is I actually had no idea that he did stuff in Contra until I started researching for that video. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I was I was under the impression that this guy named Timont was the first record holder in Contra. And uh, that I actually, there's, there's like an unused intro for the video. The first five or six minutes I edited where I talked about Timont as the record holder. And I was doing a little research online at the time and I, I discovered a submission by Matt Turk on Twin Galaxies, which was an old speedrunning website, and he had what seemed to be a faster run than Tmont from around the time. And I had his email address because I had emailed him for the, the first Matt Turk video, so I sent him an email, said, hey, not really sure, but is this, is this like a legitimate thing? Did you actually have the Contra record? And He's a very, very verbose individual. I mean, I sent him like three sentences and he replied with about five or six paragraphs. But nice. long story short, the answer was yes, he had the Contra record before T-Mont and his time was a lot faster than his. And he still had the video of it, which is a rarity for Matt oh, He does okay. not normally keep videos. So I had to just scrap the intro. I had to re-edit the first six or seven minutes. So that was like a fun week. <laughs> and... Uh, and he sent over nobody had ever seen this matt turk vhs before he put it in his tv pressed play and recorded it on his phone and then uploaded that and sent it to me so in the video you're seeing the downloaded recording of <laughs> of a recording from 2005 so i mean matt i mean matt he's just incredible he had the contra record he almost came back to beat it again years later um, he set all these different records in Punch-Out. 
most of them without a video, but pretty much without exception, most people in the community think he's legitimate. And he also had the tied Super Mario Bros. record at one point many years ago. Yeah, re- regarding Punch Out, I think that I, you pointed out in the in the Matt Turk video that like the reason people think he's legit is because he had he put his verboseness to use by typing up all these different tips and like okay, here's how I did this, and it's like oh my god, right. like this guy is like super detail oriented. Like of course this guy's legit. How, how could he not be if he's got all this knowledge? I mean, it's you know it's theoretically possible he could have just understood the game really well. He could have done like tool assisted speed running or used an emulator and save states just to make sure that he knew what he was talking about. But we we have seen some video from him. We recently uncovered a two twenty three Mike Tyson fight which would have been world record by like dozens of seconds from when he got it. (laughs) Um, So that's uploaded on my alternate YouTube account. And, uh, you know, he's having talked with the guy and having seen what I have seen from him, there's very little doubt in my mind that he's legitimate, but you know, there's always the possibility that he, he might not be because there's no, not many videos, but I'm pretty sure that he's, 100% 100% legit. The 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 moments in the contra video where <laughs> and by this brings me kind of <laughs> to my next point where um you're uh you're you're leading up to uh introduce who has the record and you say and his name of course is Matt Turk and it's like this right. dramatic moment and you have a real knack for building suspense in these videos and uh i'm wondering if you have like any sort of influence uh from watching other youtubers or from watching like tvs or tv shows or movies or something like that because it really adds a ton to your videos the way they're structured to like and 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 you don't always lead to the obvious conclusion like well of course he's gonna get it it's like some like i want to say like 30 percent of the time you're like and he failed which always makes me laugh, <laughs> but it, it's yeah. to, to kind of keep the viewer off balance. But um, do you have any influences? Like, what what was the tipping point for me? What made you want to start doing stuff like that? Uh, you know, I, I don't. If I was to name like one person who's probably had the most influence on my video making style, it would probably be uh, this guy named John Boys. Not yes, sure if you from heard of him, S- I, he was SB Nation for a long time, yeah, and now he, SB Nation it's secret base. Yeah, now. It changed it recently, and he. D- but um, I know exactly what you're talking. He, about he makes yeah, he makes sports videos, and I'm a pretty big sports fan. And I, I think I started watching him right around the time I started making <clears throat> YouTube videos and uploading them. So you know, I, I it's not, I don't think it's not like I watched him and then I decided, oh man, I want to try doing this, and I did it myself, but. Since I started watching him around the time I started making YouTube videos, I think a lot of his style kind of rubbed off on me. And we we just have, I think we have similar ways of building tension. It's kind of similar ways of telling stories. I think there's a lot of overlap between the two of us. If there's any sports fans listening to this, John Boyce did a video about uh, the Seattle Mariners that is, even if you're not a Mariners fan, even if you're not a baseball fan, it is incredible to watch. And it's mostly because of what you say, because of how he structures it. And it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Like the the losses they have and he, he really knows what he's doing. That, that guy is super talented. So you couldn't, couldn't have had a, a better influence, I guess, in my opinion. 
No, yeah, I've, I have to agree. I mean, he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's about as, he makes videos about as interesting as they can yeah. get. I mean, he, he takes every piece of drama you can extract from a story and he knows how to amplify it in a video form. Right. It's, it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And that's a good point. I've, I, when I've described your stuff to people, when I'm like, have you ever heard of summoning salt? And they're like, no, I have no idea what that is. And I'm like, it's like ESPN 30 for 30, but for speed running. And a lot of people are still like, mm. but <laughs> once they check it out, you know, they, they get the feel for it. They get the, the ramp up in excitement, the ramp up in expense and suspense. And you do a really good job of making all of that content easy to get interested in for people that are not particularly interested in speedrunning or video games in general. My wife is a good example of this. She doesn't so much care about all of all of the video games that I hoard and love. Uh, she's certainly, you know, speedrunning is just an extra layer of that where she just has she just doesn't understand why that's an awesome thing that I think is is great. Um, but she will sit down and, and take in one of your videos because it's so well structured and it's just easy to access for for everyone. Is that something that you're consciously thinking about when you're making your videos? You're thinking about the audience as, okay, they're not going to know what a, a spread rhythm is in Contra. They might not know the history of Contra at all. And you always do a good job of, of leading everyone in so that by the end, everyone kind of feels like an expert in this game. Yeah, it's it's a tough balance to strike. Like it, so, like if I'm explaining how Super Mario Bros. speedrunning works, you know, I, I I need I need to find the balance between not saying stuff like when you're playing Mario, you press the A button to jump and you can hit <laughs> coins and collect them. But I don't want to just go like start like rambling off like. And then if you press if you do this precise sequence of inputs, you can hit the flagpole glitch, save a frame rule move on to 4-2 and climb up the vine and do the drop glitch and the wrong warp. And it's, you know, I got, so there's, there's a pretty precise line you have to walk between overly explaining and not explaining enough. And it is something I definitely always have in mind and I'm being conscious of when I'm, when I'm making these videos. So it's, it, it can get tricky, but I, I try my best to, to make it, you know, it, oh, make it interesting to people who don't know about it, but still, not overly complicated to the point that it's gonna confuse people right you're you're almost like an instructor at that point where you're teaching it's almost like you're teaching a, a class so to speak where you don't want to you want to make sure people understand but you don't want to put them to sleep either yeah that's the, i mean honestly i think that you it's possible to make practically any story interesting if you tell it the right way mm if you know how to build drama and tension and i've i i mean like there's a lot of these speedrunning stories that on their surface aren't necessarily that interesting so i just have to figure out the the right way to tell them and the right way to you know talk about every angle in the best way i can to make it interesting so what would you yeah. say is the most the craziest uh speedrunning story uh i haven't i confess i haven't seen all your videos but Arcus continuing to get a 140 40 or what it was it 140 exactly uh yeah 11 11 yeah oh again. my god it's like how, what are the odds <laughs> um, of that I'll, I'll say this i think the next video i'm making i'm not going to disclose what it is here i think the next video i'm making might have my personal favorite story of any video that i've made yet so be on the lookout nice. for that but as far as far as ones that that I've already done. Um, the whole, the, I don't know if you remember in Ninja Gaiden, there was a guy named Ohan yes. who was right before Arcus. And he, 
I mean, he blew like everyone out of the water because he he posted this eleven forty eight that was like I don't know, he was like ten seconds ahead of his emulator run or something like that, and people weren't even sure if that was real. So then he's like, okay, I'll do it on console and I'll beat it by ten <laughs> seconds, and then that record stood for years. And then Arcus <laughs> comes along and beats it, and then he gets like you said three eleven forties in a row, and then finally gets his time that he needs eleven thirty nine, and so that's. Ninja Gaiden, I think, has one of the best stories. Um, Super Mario, there's, I mean, the original Super Mario Bros, there's like 10 or 15 or dozens of little stories you could tell that are really interesting. Like uh, An- like Andrew G's redemption arc in that game. He, he ran the game and was record holder for years and years and years. And then Blubbler and Derby and Cosmic beat his record. And then he came back in, I think, 2016 or 2017 and got really, really close and then unfortunately choked in the second to last room and messed up his swimming inputs and he just barely missed the record yeah. and he he was just never quite able to reclaim it. But it's there's there's tons of little stories like that in Super Mario Bros. that I think are really interesting. So Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all fascinating to me. I I'm excited now. I'm more excited than I was already uh, already for the for the next thing you got coming out. And yeah, it's going to be fun. And there's just one thing I wanted to sort of reminisce on because I loved it so much. And it's not really a question, but I just wanted to say there's a point and we're kind of spoiling some of your videos, but we they've been out for months. People should watch them. But there is a point in the um, the Wii Sports golf one where there is this you know, typical dramatic lead up. And I'm like, all right, what's going on? And you're like, and that's until Tyler got a capture card. And that was like my favorite part yeah. of that whole video. <laughs> Cause it was just, uh, it was just so good. Didn't, didn't see that coming. Yeah. With Wii sports golf. I mean, I, I want, I still wanted people to take it seriously, but I knew it was kind of like a, not like a joke topic, but it, it wasn't like a, an ultra serious, like, you know mario 64 battle where it's a really competitive record and it's still competitive but it's 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 different you know it's it's Wii golf it's not quite on the same level so i, I kind of tried to be a little add like little small inside jokes or dry humor whenever i could in that video just to mix it up a bit and make it a little more interesting and i wasn't really trying to go over the top with it or anything but people really responded positively to it so yeah yeah, that, that was fun to make. I, I really liked golf. it because it's not something I would have ever guessed was had, you know, speedrunners in it. And there were a lot of popular ones in there, Darbian being one of them. And I think for me, too, it's just it's not all button inputs. They're doing a lot of it with physical motion that I think is something that is even more fascinating to me, that they're able to do that, you know, 100% accurate every time they go through it. It's It's impressive. Yeah, I mean, the top level runners in that game have... I think tens of thousands of runs. I think Tyler had something like over 20,000 runs. And I think some of them might've been him accidentally starting the timer. So it wasn't actually that many, but I mean, he, I know he's done a ridiculous amount of practice to get that good. So it's, it's pretty insane. The wind is randomized completely in that game, isn't it? It's ran. There's it, it cycles in a way that you can't, predict but you know that you can't get the same wind value twice in a Mm. specific period of time so you can kind of rule certain things out but in general it is fairly random because there's that par three towards the end that's like over 200 yards you have to use the i don't know if it's a driver or three wood and it's it's the hardest hole for me it's always the hardest hole for me to play 
and it's like ah. i think I, I know the one you're referring to and i think uh one of the strategies they actually did was doing a give up where they just hit it into the water over and over <laughs> and it's just about as fast as getting uh i think almost as fast as a birdie it's faster than a because so. you got to get it to stop on the green and uh it's yeah, it, do- yeah. it doesn't and it's yeah tough. yeah i hate that hole it's it's good <laughs> Cool. So before we, we have some listener questions here, just a couple, but before we move into that, I wanted to put you on the spot. You can decline to answer if you want to, but if you could make a speed running Mount Rushmore, who would you put there? Oh boy. Um, this is going to vary for everyone who, pretty much every speedrunner who you ask that question, because, you know, I, I'm going to be biased because people who got me into speed running, it was like Andrew G. He set so many records. Um, Maybe someone like Mike Uyama, who was one of the founders of Games Done Quick and did a ton for that that community. Um, I think Andrew G and Mike Uyama are two fairly universal picks, but beyond that, it's like... I'd have to think about it a little more to give you a better answer. But Just two Matt yeah. Turks? Those, those are my <laughs> two, two like, default go-to picks. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Appreciate you at least giving me a couple there. That was good. So... <laughs> It, it would be it would be two Matt Turks and then like the rest would just be like nothing but Matt Turk like uh, e- emails just paragraph after paragraph like oh chiseled into the mountain by Matt Turk himself. Matt Turk, I mean the only the only thing with Matt Turk is I really wish that he did more games because he really kind of whenever he picked up a game he tended to really really focus in on it and pretty much exclusively do attempts of that one game so. He doesn't have like a super wide, uh, wide variety of runs that he's completed. But if he did, if he did, like if he had had records like in Contra for like a dozen different NES games, then I would definitely be inclined to put him on the speed yeah. run, you know, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, good point. And and speaking of him, just a little bit more before we move on, you're saying that like he doesn't, he's not involved in the community really at all. He's not speed running anything. He doesn't. He, he's kind of on the outside these days. No, yeah, he, to my knowledge, I think the last thing that I know he did in speedrunning, and I think I talked about this a little bit in my uh, Punch-Out! Quest to Beat Matt Turk video, was uh, Sinister One beat his Mr. Sandman record in Punch-Out! So Matt Turk actually came back, beat his beat Sinister One's record, and I think that was 2011, and I believe since then, that's the last thing he's done in speedrunning. Wow. So it's, I think it's been nine years now, and I don't know that for a fact, but to my knowledge, that was the last thing that he did. Interesting. What well, an interesting I, guy. If anyone would know, it'd be you, yeah. I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, there, there's one known picture of him online, too. Wow. If you're curious, you could look up uh, Matt Turk Punch-Out, and there's a picture of him standing next to Mike Tyson having a book that he co-authored, signed. <laughs> so Holy cow. That's, that's so interesting. He's yeah, pretty so neat. interesting. Okay. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> All right, some listener questions. We have one one pretty good one and one that's kind of goofy, and I'm excited for both. So the first one here <laughs> comes from Raphael. He says, uh, is there any design convention in retro games that annoys you specifically? For example, taking damage or insta-kill by just touching the bosses, even when they are not attacking, getting shot off screen, etc.? Well, that depends if you mean just for casually playing or for speedrunning. So I guess I could kind of try to answer both. Sure. Um, I mean, casual playing, it's just they tried to make them as frustrating as possible. And I think that was by design so that you'd have a nice long game to try to complete. 
you know, downfall of that was that in Ninja Gaiden, you would have a dozen birds on a screen 6-2 flying into you, so that it would be impossible <laughs> to beat unless you knew exactly how to do it. <laughs> or Castlevania, where a bat will run into your foot and it'll not it'll cause you to be knocked back down a cliff just because a bat hit your foot. So stuff like that where it's 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 difficult in a frustrating way that makes you want to keep playing and and not have to stop it to do something else because it's gonna take you so long to beat it. Yeah. Um, but on the speedrunning front, and this isn't really something that they necessarily did on purpose, the developers, but um, NES games, at least some of the ones I run, are known for being very, very random. And I think that was just so that you would never have the same exact experience twice. But, I mean, my God, in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, there's some records where even if you do everything correctly, the odds in beating the world record are literally over 1 in a 1,000. Or in some cases, like Don Flamenco 2, it's like almost 1 in 10,000 if you do everything right. So it... It, it it doesn't necessarily make it worse for speedrunning, but to the wrong type of person, I guess it can make it worse because you're doing everything right and the game just says, nope, you didn't get a random star on this guy. Sorry, you're out of luck. So I, I could see that being really frustrating. Right on. You you touched on mine there briefly. My, I think my biggest uh, annoyance is the knockback in games. And yeah. Castlevania comes to mind, but... Oh man, just in your your you can't move for a second. You're flashing. You look help. Your your sprite looks stupid. Like oh, it just makes me so yeah. mad. <laughs> Zelda two is what comes to mind there. I, oh yeah, the, the knockback in that game is so bad. I I think the emailer for me touched on it. It's getting shot from off screen. That will always make me mad because I have no idea what killed yeah. me or what's doing damage to me. I remember uh, what was the crappy game I played that had the awesome soundtrack. I think it was called Metal Morph. And you're just running around, uh, you know, typical platforming stuff with this creepy music. And there's just these tiny little, like, two-by-two pixel projectiles flying at you from God knows where. And it's just like, what is this game? Like, did they not, like, test this game or something? And, yeah, (laughs) it just drives me insane, that kind of stuff. Classic NES. I mean, that's there's so many games where it's like the little little frustrating things that could just set you over the edge. <laughs> oh, that it's... that game is actually SNES. They didn't get it right by oh, then. Okay, yeah, it's it's even worse then. It's even a more <laughs> egregious <God>. crime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they found more ways to put annoying things on screen by yes. then, but never fixed why it ne- was annoying. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> so then our next question is from Michael, and he asks. Would you rather fight one T-Rex-sized duck or 100 duck-sized T-Rexes? I mean, I feel like... I feel like how much harm can a duck do to you, even if it's huge? I guess it can, like, step on you. But T-Rexes, if they gang up on you, they're going to bite you. They're, they're, I think they're known for having, like, sharp teeth and mouths. And I guess a duck would, too. But yep. I, don't, I feel like they're both going to be losing battles. But if I had to pick probably the duck would be a less sharp painful death yeah i think the duck would be at least a chill hangout for a little while till it got mad <laughs> yeah. or thought you were food right. or something whereas the t-rexes yeah. they're not chill they're just they're, they're just gonna attack. yeah they're, they're they want meat <laughs> they want human flesh they want to they want to they're always hungry and crazy or at least that's what the movies tell me so yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think we're in full agreement. I feel like I could uh, trick or outrun a giant duck 
there's no getting away from a hundred duck sized T-Rex. It's just not going to happen. How are you no, going to trick the duck? No what, are you going to like take a loaf of bread and throw it across yeah. the street or something? Yeah, th- throw a loaf of bread east, run west. That's my. That was my plan. That was my entire plan. Yeah, genius. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for the interview. I want to thank you again for you know, well, finding that tweet, which I guess wasn't completely up to you, but uh, I'm so happy that 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 worked out. So thanks for joining us. And where all can listeners find you and your stuff online, and and how can they support what you do? Well, I uh, make YouTube videos under the channel Summoning Salt, so you can just type that in and subscribe to me there if you're interested. I also stream on Twitch. I do world record attempts in Mike Tyson's Punch Out, which ridiculously random and frustrating game, but <laughs> you know, pretty fun to speed run. So you can check me out twitch.tv slash Summoning Salt. Cool, cool. All right. Right on, man. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us. We really appreciate it. And man, your your videos are really they're they're uh really hitting on something that uh nobody else is doing and i think that's why you've got you know as many views as you do because you're filling a niche that needed to be filled clearly so keep keep on doing what you're doing man because it's great yeah you know it kind of just that's kind of how it all got started it was me just realizing this could be a good idea i don't think anybody's done it before let me just try doing it and i I think it's it's tough to kind of consistently make these unless you really have the time and the, you sure. know, the the drive to do it. So I'm glad I've been able to keep it up. Right right. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. All right, everyone. That has been another Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, you can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We might even read those out here on the show. If you want to hear more podcasts from our crew, including a new one that's coming out about alcohol... Check out polykill.com and poke around. And if you got nothing to say in an email, no worries. You can still contribute to the podcast by rating and reviewing it wherever you listen. It helps us out a lot, and it only takes a second. You can find us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at TravPlaysGames. Alex is, of course, at SNESDrunk. And you can find Summoning Salt at Summoning Salt. Imagine that. Uh, the music you heard at the beginning and right here at the end was composed by our friend Coolor. The theme song is called Electric Starbounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. And if our logo has you thirsty, you can thank Josh Leslie for that. That's right. And if you'd like to have that logo on a t-shirt or a copy, coffee cup or something like that, you can go to polykill.com and find that there. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah.